Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you, taking your calls, 801 575 8255. You can text us at 57500. Let's go back to our phone lines and David waiting patiently in Honeyville. Good morning, David. What was your question? Good morning. I have some questions related to what I should do with my plants as a result of grasshopper damage. We had, uh, we were we were devastated. We're surrounded by fields, so I have a, a couple of three or four examples. Uh, I, I planted some new pear trees this spring: uh, an Asian pear, a Bartlett pear. They were completely stripped of leaves. I planted a magnolia tree, completely stripped. My current bushes stripped to the ground. Um, my clematis. So. Two things. Some of my plants are coming back now like it's spring. My new magnolia tree bloomed three weeks ago. Um, my clematis are putting out blooms like they should in June. How do I ensure those plants have the best chance of overwintering since they're confused, they've been leafless for a lot of the summer, as well as those that don't think it's spring? Do I? What do I do to have a chance of them overwintering? Well, anything that's been established for three or four years should come back. And okay. it's the ones I'm more worried about are the ones that were planted this year, because sometimes they don't have the energy reserves that a more established plant does. But you may, and I know it's the grasshoppers are in every, you know, one in five years or whatever, because they're so vague on how they're feed and where they go, but... For fruit trees, especially small ones, it may be worth getting some sort of tree bag that you fasten to the trunk, and it allows the branches to grow, but it keeps um, insects out. And so they would be ideal for younger trees that you're trying to get established, even if it was a magnolia. And look online, and just if if you do an internet search, whatever search engine you like of tree bags... There will be multiple companies that come up. Okay, and they shouldn't be too expensive for a younger tree. Okay, and I and and those will help them overwinter. No, but if they well, make it I, through, what I've got now, they'll help them survive the grasshoppers. Okay, okay. I, this year, I was confused. There's so many grasshoppers. I'd always heard that um, you didn't need to spray for the adult stage because it didn't do much good and they weren't eating. But I had three hatches this year, and I just did not quite keep up. So I, I crossed my fingers, and if I was a person of faith, I would pray. Yeah. I, that one, okay. I mean, you could no, that, try spraying the perimeter of your yard. If you have – I know lilacs are a favorite food of grasshoppers. And if you have plants they get into first, and it's a more moderate invasion – Sometimes you can spray the plants that they like to eat, and that will help greatly. But if you have thousands and there's a swarm, there's oftentimes not much you can do besides netting the plants. 
Okay, yeah, they were eating them to the ground in one day. It yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, thank you for taking my call. Love right. the show. Thanks, Appreciate David. your time. Thanks so much for calling this morning. Uh, next listener says, what do we, what does he do or she do with uh, mushrooms that look kind of like the size of a tennis ball coming up on the north side of their lawn? Throw them away. Just, just cut them off with a shovel and put them in the garbage. You've got a one in three chance of them being edible. I think there is on Facebook a Utah mushroom group that people may be able to identify them, but... They don't hurt the lawn. They don't. They're decomposing organic matter, and you just uh, go ahead and cut them off if they're unsightly and throw them away. The I don't dare try to identify them for people in case I make a mistake. It's You hear about motorcycle riders and mushroom collectors... That there's those that have had an accident and those that will have an accident. Oh, so, oh, oh. Uh, they they also want to know um, where they would get. You talk about getting lawn seed from the county occasionally. They're wondering where they would do that in Utah County. Contact Central Utah Water Conservancy District. Um, Casey Finlinson is the person. If you look up Central Utah Water, you can find their education efforts. And Casey is their education coordinator. For a lot of that, but Casey would know if it's available, how much, and how to pick it up. Okay. Dan is on the line in Santa Quinn. Good morning, Dan. What was your question? Dan, are you there? Okay. Let's go to Rowan in Layton there. Good morning, Rowan. What was your question this morning? Hi. Um, good to be on the show. Um, so I've got some Virginia creeper in my garden. It's actually killed my blackberry bushes. Uh, and I'm wondering, how do I get rid of it? Because I've tried spraying it with Roundup, and that just seemed to make it grow bigger. And it was like, oh, thank you for the tasty snack. <laughs> Clip it at the base. Um, and don't do it at ground level, but leave two or three inches. And dab the base, the little trunk, with concentrated Roundup. Not the over-the-counter stuff, but a, like 50% or 41% concentrate with just a little paintbrush, like a Crayola watercolor paintbrush. And mm-hmm. it'll come back a couple times, but if you keep that up over the summer, you can kill it. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for your call this morning. Uh, Dan was asking, Ton, his call dropped, but he wanted to know how to grow his bare root fruit trees better. Plant them when they're dormant, as soon as you get them in the spring. And when you plant, you're going to dig a hole so that the root graft, and you'll see that on the lower trunk, is above ground. And once you dig your hole, you put a volcano in the middle of it so you can fit the roots of the tree over it and then just put the soil back around it. The other thing you can do with it is just make sure it's watered accordingly to the temperatures in the you know in the spring it may need every three or four days but in the middle of the summer it might need every two or three because those roots are there and it's having to regenerate water um, absorbing and nutrient nutrient absorbing roots Mm -hmm. you need to not drown it but make sure that it doesn't run out of water for the first two or three months especially we do have dan back on the line i'm not sure if you answered all his questions Uh, good morning dan good morning guys sorry about that uh, no, I, that didn't answer some of them because, yeah, they've, they've been in there about a year and a half. They're they're growing to some degree, but they seem like they kind of just stopped. And then the, one of the cherry trees is uh, just 
just looks sad. So I'm wondering, I'm like, does it need more water? Is it a case of, I mean, it's Santa Quinn, so it's very rocky ground. I cleared out a, a space for the tree to, to grow in that was decent size depth, but I wonder if it's hit the edge and it's, it needs just better earth to grow better or it's more time. Well, I mean, the reason we have so many orchards on the hillsides isn't just for the temperature, but the fruit trees are able to tolerate the soil and grow around the rocks. And usually when a fruit tree is suffering the first two or three years, it's a lack of water or too much water. And a tree that's two or three years old probably should be watered once a week to a depth of 18 inches. And then I would also consider fertilizing them in the spring and mid-March and again sometime in late April or early May. Okay. So I'm fairly ignorant with tree fertilizers. Just go to Home Depot or something or the local nursery and get a tree fertilizer. As long as it's not weed and feed, if you have fertilizer, the trees don't care that it's for lawns. They don't know. It's just fertilizer. We put pictures on the fertilizer as a kind of a gimmick to make people buy it. But if you just had a couple tablespoons of fertilizer for those trees, maybe two to three tablespoons spread out under the canopy to the edges of the branches, and then you do it again about two months later, um, that would be ideal. Okay. And then you said water to depth of eight inches. So once 18. A week. 18 inches. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. All right, Dan. Thanks so much for your call this morning. We need to take a break. When we come back, Paula, you will be up next. Number to call, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Thank you for joining us this morning for the KSL Greenhouse. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Next listener, Ton says they did the weed and feed that kept their lawn green all summer with normal growth. Uh, With fall here, should they apply weed and feed again or use step four of a four-step program? If they were to fertilize, they could do it now and again in late October or early November, or they can just wait for late October. Okay, Paula is on the line. And Roy, good morning, Paula. What was your question? My question is um, about wisteria. My, uh, I have several of them, and I would like to know when I can harvest the seed pods, if I can cut them off and let them dry, or if I wait till they drop and, and rake them up. If the seed pods are brown, you can harvest them, break them open, and dry them. Uh, don't get them confused with other beans and things because I think they're poisonous, at least mildly. 
but are you trying to reseed them or what are your goals? Yes, receive them and give them away to my family members. Uh, I have several people. The plants I have are from my grandfather, and they want wisteria plants for, uh, you know, posterity. Yeah, what I would do is harvest the seeds and then get a Tupperware, put them in a Tupperware, and then put a damp paper towel over the top and seal the Tupperware, soak them in the fridge or let them sit in the fridge for about 60 days at least, and then keep an eye on them. And if you see one or two of them trying to send a root out, then they're probably ready and then you could plant them in soil, if in artificial soil into small containers. Okay. All right, that gives me some good information. Sometimes they grow up in the grass when I've let them drop and haven't picked them up till the following year. Yeah, and I've the, carefully taken them out of the grass yeah, that, at that time. What you're doing with the seeds is mimicking that process of sitting in the soil all winter when you put them into your fridge with a damp. Okay. And you're going to need to check that paper towel and maybe put a new one on every week so that they don't mold. But those seeds need to be held at around 35 to 40 degrees at near 100% humidity. Okay, then. And will they keep them all winter? Well, I would maybe just pick them. And when you're try to time when you seed them for mid late February to mid-March and go back 60 to 90 days and start them then. So you still... It's 100 days to Christmas, 99 days to Christmas, thanks to Dave telling us that. Oh, and I love Christmas, so just but count I'm not back from when the time you want to start seeing them germinate, count back, count back about 90 days and put them in the fridge then. And just keep an eye on them, right, especially okay. after 60 days. Okay, that's well, good information. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you for your so call. much. Thank you for calling this morning. Uh, let's try and get. Squeeze Bill in here from Bountiful. Good morning, Bill. What was your question this morning? Hi. Hey, um, we have a home that we've built uh, on uh, on a slope. It's a very sandy soil slope. And um, I've been told that there is a variety of grass that's very drought tolerant that, like even UDOT uses when they're seeding, uh, some alongside some of their roads. Do you have any idea what variety that would be? It's probably crested wheatgrass. And what I would actually do is email your county ag agent, Cody Zessiger, and I can give okay. you the spelling of his name. It's Do you have a pen and paper handy? Unfortunately, I'm driving. Okay, so if you will go to, just remember, USU Extension, Davis County. Okay. And go to agriculture, find, you know, who's your local faculty or local employees. Okay. And you'll find him there, mm-hmm. but call or email Cody Zessiger. There will be several sources okay. of seed, and he can tell you the rates. And you might actually put it down this fall or early next spring. But Cody's your ag yeah, agent. He's really good. Thinking. Yeah, Cody yeah, is really good. Down and, this fall, it'll yeah. get it'll get yep. snowed on and watered down. Yeah. So contact Cody, and he yeah. may have some alternatives to the crested wheatgrass, too. Okay. All right. Great, All right, Bill. Thanks Thank for you your very call much. this morning. Next listener, Ton wants to know. Uh, they say their squash was completely destroyed by squash bugs this summer. What can they do so it won't happen again next summer? 
don't grow squash. And I'm not trying to be mean or, you know, be sarcastic or anything. Grow it but in a different place. Even then, they'll crawl over if it's 20 oh, or 30 feet away or in the same yard. Unfortunately, if your neighbors have big gardens, they can crawl under the fence to you. But Dave, who is our experimental gardener and cross the booth, um, will grow squash for a year or two and then take a year off. And that seems to keep them under control. Now, if it's just a few, you can go out in late June to mid-July and scout every two or three days and look at all the undersides of the leaves for eggs. And then you take those egg sacs off. You can get pictures of this. If you do an internet search of USU and squash bugs. And so you can look at that way, but I'm recommending people maybe are two years on with squash and one year off. And, you know, heaven knows if you have a good year, you have so much squash that hopefully you have enough to make it through a summer without growing them. So, All right. We take a break for the top of the hour news. When we come back, we're talking about harvesting and storing vegetables and fruits. And thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Again, we'll be taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can text us 57500. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.